Parenting Radio, episode number 320, give or take. You got it. Seems like we just did 300. Um, 20 episodes ago? About 20 episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at math. Uh, yeah. As to my understanding, there would be no math. What's that from, sweetie? Saturday Night Live. Yeah, who said it? Uh, that would be Chevy Chase. Best part about that scene is Chevy Chase's facial expression. Maybe I'll put that in the show notes because he just looks like worried and lost all at the same He's time. He's like, uh-oh. Maybe I should try to find that. Hold on. It's come to about the same $60 billion in increased revenue. It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it's more video than audio. Um, so this is uh, Zen Parenting Radio. Why, do you, why f- listen to Zen Parenting Radio? <laughs> because you'll feel outstanding. And who, for goodness sakes, doesn't want to feel outstanding? Even, I think everybody does. You know what? And we need a little more outstanding. We do. We really do. And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show. Yes. You ready? I'm. It's a, it's a list. It's, it's a, a good one. It's a hodgepodge. No, I think it's this all the same. Oh, it's a smorgasbord. It is a... There are many different elements with a thread running through all of it that connects it. Um, You're going to... We're going to play a clip from Martha Beck. Can Correct. you tell us what that's just a, just a headliner? I think it's about how we can deal uh, with violence and when we see violence, um, what we can do to tolerate it. Okay. Or more than that, what we can do to not absorb it. I'm going to give a very brief one or two minute uh, um, insight of my tribe men's group meeting last week. Okay. Um, any question? There's a question we're going to answer. There's a question we're going to answer about feeling our feelings, which is connected to, um, you know, everything that we're talking about today, which is, well, can I just give an overview before you give all well, this list of sure, stuff? Sure. Overview it. Really what I, what I was hoping Todd and I would get to today, we tend to go all over the place, but last week we talked a lot about privilege and we talked about the challenges in our world. And as we've gone on seven more days, challenges have continued in the world. They always do. Um, It's not something where we're going to go, oh, okay, good. There's no more. There's always more. And right now, uh, energy is high. And it's very hard to hear any more negativity because we're so full already. So I wanted to focus this show on how to manage our own internal workings and how we can stay present for what's happening and not create more of the same. Um, and that doesn't mean we pretend things aren't happening. That doesn't mean we put our head in the sand. And that doesn't mean we just say, oh, just love everybody and kumbaya. There's there's a little more depth to it than that. And I think the things we're talking about today um, will bring us to some some new ways we can manage our emotions. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, sweetie. Um, a quick update. We did a show on um, sexual assaults. Remember we talked about that kid from Stanford? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we also did the uh, hunting ground screening Correct. last year. There's a new policy in place uh, from President Barack Obama, okay. and this uh, policy is that 
the president, um, Vice President Biden, their wives, and members of the cab- cabinet will no longer visit higher education institutions where officials are deemed to be doing a poor job tackling the troubling frequency of reported sexual assaults. Wow. 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 I had read the same thing. You did? Yeah. I was it trying was to surprise from last you. week. Um, I, but it's still worthy of all the wows because that's what happens when people speak up. Yep. And, you know, that's really where we are right now. Yeah. Um, so, well, thank you, President Obama, and and for your guidance and leadership on something. And we got to give Joe Biden a lot of credit yeah, here. Yeah, he kind of, he leads the charge on this. He's been spearheading these kind of women's issues decades. for decades. It's not just a thing he's doing now for attention. This is from his heart and soul. Yeah. Um, our first partner is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Chiropractic Care. Um, the website is um, www.chirotree.com, and uh, she adjusts her whole family. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, check her out. Um, I do want to share a portion of a letter from one of our listeners. Okay. And uh, it's from a good friend. His name is Tony. I met him at the Zen Parenting Conference yes. last year. Yes. And you might have to help me do a good job with this, sweetie. So okay. I'm, I'm already asking for help. Um and we had quite an exchange in the last few days via email. He and his wife and his daughter, his I'm son. sorry, his son, Andrew, um, were in Nice, France. And there was a horrific event that happened in Nice, France. Somebody, is that okay? Yeah. Well, and let's just say this, instead of what yeah, happened, yeah. they were right there. When it happened. When it happened, and they were be, actually overlooking and the And because scene. there's young listeners, yeah. we won't even no. say what it is. No. Uh, but most of you adults know what happened, mm-hmm. and they were in a place where they could observe the aftermath seconds after it happened. They actually went out while it was happening, Yes, if I read his letter correctly. Yes. Um, and without going into all the detail, a, a few clips I wanted to um, read from the email that Tony sent to me. Um, he just said to us that he appreciates the space to to write us, and it acted as some journaling for him and was therapeutic to have done so. And the added piece of this is that I know it is reaching safe people. I can't tell you how many people have told them, we'll just try to enjoy the rest of your vacation comments that they've received. So you kind of did the pronouns Yeah, I kind of went back and forth. Basically what he was saying is he wrote to Todd and wrote everything that happened, um, not in huge detail, but in enough detail that we got the gist of how terrifying everything was. And um, he basically wanted to share with Todd what was going on because he wanted a safe person to share with. And um, I told Todd, I said, that's enough reason right there. Um, that's the only reason we do the show mm-hmm. is to be not to get emails from people necessarily, but to be some kind of safe space. It's funny because we got this email um, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, and we had talked on the show last week about it, like the highest value is to be a safe person, like mm-hmm. where someone can come to you and say, this is how I'm feeling and that you can hold the space for it or that they know that you will not be judgmental or that you will support them or whatever it may be. And so it's wonderful that uh, that Tony felt that way. But even more importantly, uh, he had another piece in there that you wanted to read. He says, yes, there's a time for action and for compartmentalizing, I think, but mixed in there are time to observe and take steps back. And in the aftermath, recognize we are affected in some way. 
What I know is that even just being a witness to this, I have to take measures to be sure I'm not just piling things over these feelings. And we're going to talk about feelings today too, so that helps. We are, and basically, what I'm, you know, and again, you're not getting the full email, but he's basically saying that this was traumatizing and horrific. And like Todd said, after it happened, and after he knew his family was safe, people were actually saying to him, "Hey, now go jo- enjoy yeah. your vacation." Right. And it, it's not that those people are bad or wrong or mean. It's just we have to understand that you got to take some steps back and and recognize what you just experienced and feel what you experienced and at the same time figure out a way to move on in life where it doesn't stagnate you where you don't get to a place where you're so stuck that you can't move forward there's a really um both things are happening at once you have to take a look and you have to keep going mm-hmm. um and yeah. what tony was trying to say to todd was this writing this email to you is helping me move forward. And at the same time, I'm going to have to keep going back to this to make sure that I'm not, um, that I'm not moving too quickly through it. Yeah. And he's smart enough to seek out professional help. And he has, he said it was okay for me to share this. He has a therapist even before this. So he has someone to go to. So he has somebody to go to. And that's something I think we all need, whether it's a coach or a therapist or a good friend or whatever. He has already put himself and his family in the position to be able to feel these feelings and then hopefully let them pass through them. Move through this in a way that they can remain healthy. Can we share what his occupation is? Sure. He said it was okay. So Tony is a a police detective for the homicide unit. Yes. So he sees these things. This has been part of his life story, yet this experience was times 10, at least the way he describes it. And we can only imagine. I don't even want to imagine. I'm more focused on not the event that he witnessed, but how we can, uh, how Tony is supporting himself and his family and, you know, the being an outlet for him. Well, and the only other thing I want to say is that he considered us uh, safe, um, safe people to talk to. And it's weird because, you know, we, Tony's got a million people that are closer to him and um, for whatever reason, he felt safe with us. And the reason I want to bring that up is we always think that, oh, you have to be like directly connected to play a significant role in somebody's lives. And you can, you know, kindness to a stranger is a way to be connected. It doesn't, you don't just... You don't have to be family. You you, don't have to know each other forever. You don't have to focus just on people who are in your family or close friends. You never know how you're going to affect somebody, Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So Mm -hmm. in an effort, always trying to spread the love, that's just one more lesson. No act of kindness goes unutilized, you know? Is never wasted. Is never wasted. (laughs) Thank you. That's probably the correct statement. Yes, close enough. No act of kindness it goes unnoticed. Is that what you said? So never wasted. I think never wasted. I think it's a Dalai Lama thing. Yes. So it's just one of those many reasons that a lot of times we're looking for, well, I did this. Mm-hmm. Where's Where's the feedback that I did a good thing? Or I did this. Where's mine? And you may never know how your kindness was received, but trust that it is being utilized somehow. I'm going to throw my words of wisdom now because they directly uh, relate to what we're talking about. I was going to share this at the end of the show, but uh, this is the first of two. It's one of the beautiful compensations of this life that no one can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. Mm. That's Ralph Waldo Emerson. And then the the other one is, you can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Yeah. John Wooden. 
Yeah. Who's John Wooden, sweetie? I don't know. Oh. Do you? Yes. He was the... Is he a uh, coach? Yes. Head coach yes. of UCLA Bruins in the 60s and 70s when he won all his championships. I wouldn't have known that part, but he sounds like a coach. So, sweetie and I watched a documentary last night called I Am Not Your Guru, and it's from a guy named Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. who we're big fans of. We went to his workshops last... Four-day workshop last... Summer? It was last summer, Unleash the Power Within. And I just got certified in his coaching program, lucky enough. And um, we watched this documentary. It's for adults. Only. Only. But we encourage you to do it. It's on Netflix. So if you're a Netflix subscriber, it's free to you. I think you'll enjoy it. We were engaged. I'm going to play a quick 20-second clip from the trailer just to kind of tease you a little bit. So here's Tony Robbins, I Am Not Your Guru. Force that controls everything. They're ready for you. They're ready. You get nervous? Is there stage no, fright? Like there's this? no stage fright. My job is to dominate the problem and bring out what's really strong. Childhood beatings. Constant pain. Sexual abuse. Father abandoned him. Mother was murdered by stepfather. Held hostage for three days. Are you ever concerned about giving the wrong piece of advice? I'm looking for what's real. And when I find it, I take that vein and take it all the way to the soul. That's Tony. So... We went to, as we already mentioned, Unleash the Power Within last summer, which is a four-day, intense, like 12-hour day workshop kind of thing. Um, and I know that sounds like, how could you ever do it? It's We can't explain it in words. You got to be there. Um, and this is a documentary about another workshop he does called Date with Destiny. That is a six-day six event. So it's more intense. It even goes deeper, which is hard for me to believe. Yeah. Um, but it does because the documentary will show you. And so, but they're very similar. Yeah. The, what we experienced is very similar to this, but again, it's deeper. And I think a lot of the people who do Date with Destiny have already done Unleash the the power within. I'm sure there's plenty of newbies, but I would guess that the majority of them are people who have already done the four-day Unleash the Power Within workshop. And I'll tell you this, even though you're watching other people go through a workshop, there are really amazing things to pull out of this documentary. One of them for me was, it was just a reminder of how many people want to do great things in the world. And I don't mean career-wise. I mean, I just was reminded, you know, he's got this room full of people who all want to do good things. want to improve themselves or improve those around And improve the world. And there's just so many more people like that than there are the people that we focus on in the media. We focus a lot on negativity and that, and I'm not saying we, the media does because that's what sells. And it's, it's really true. It's happening. I'm not denying the things that our country has experienced as of late and all over time. But what I'm saying is that there are many, many more people who want good things for the world and who are bringing good things to the world. And we just have to remember that. And we have to be one of those people, which is leads to this Martha Beck thing I oh, want to talk about. I got about. it all queued up. So Todd's going to play. Martha Beck is a life coach. Many of you may know her. She writes for Oprah's Magazine. Um, she has her own coaching program. And she also, um, she's very well known. But if you don't know her, I um, suggest that you go to her website or Facebook page. And um, this was a video that she posted about four days ago. Um, And when you listen to it, you may hear wind blowing. That's because she taped it outside. She just, you know, it's a a Mm -hmm. self-done tape. Um, But I just want you to hear what she has to say in regards to how to handle the violence that we witness and how to move through it in a way that keeps us healthy. Here we go. And are we going to play all three minutes in a row? Or well, what are we I'll tell do? you. We'll, we'll stop in between. All right. 
I've been hearing a lot from my friends, my clients, my colleagues about how depressing it is right now to watch the news. It's always depressing to watch the news. Um, but we hear about so much violence and so much injustice and so much suffering and it's hard not to take that on as a burden. And I used to do that a lot. And then I learned that really truly what I create within myself moves like a fractal form. It, it, it passes its energy into the world and it starts to format the space around me. So that if I'm, for example, if you know somebody who's hiding anger and they keep saying they're not angry and asking, acting all sweet, you can actually feel the anger more and it creates more unhappiness. So when you see violence, getting enraged makes you part of it. Trying to be sweet and happy and a martyr makes it worse. So what are you going to do? Well, the first thing to realize is that underneath every act of violence is a person who feels helpless. So when you see something on the news and it's violent and you feel helpless, you're actually planting the seed of more violence within yourself. Pain, anger, frustration, grief, and it comes out and it affects everything around you. So the first thing to do if you get feeling that way is to find the helpless and love it, and empower it, hold it um, kindly, say nice things to the part of you that feels helpless to deal with the atrocities in the world. Get, some, get a hug from someone else. Do anything it takes to begin healing the part of you that feels helpless. And what then grows up in you as you make this a practice is a deep confidence that you're gonna be okay and everything's gonna be okay. Everyone around you begins to feel that. So I like to do an experiment. Okay, pause it for a second. So this is the difficult paradox that um, that we're all confronted with on a daily basis, whatever the issue is, of recognizing and acknowledging the things we see, but also not becoming what we witness. This is the constant challenge, is that it's so easy to see injustice or see violence and get so upset and angered and frustrated and worried about it that it starts to be it's it becomes you become what you hate yes it comes through us we we tap into those places we we lash out we and that's what we've seen a lot of in the last couple of weeks we there's this when we see helplessness become violence it taps into our helplessness, which, like Martha Beck says, can become violence. And instead, can we see what happened and rec- and have tears for that or feelings about that and recognize there's another way? There's two words that have been on my mind a lot lately, mostly because of something I read that Anne Lamott wrote Um on her Facebook page. Anne Lamott is an author who I love. Many of you probably love. She's wonderful with words. And she talked about mercy. And I had to like kind of rework and re-understand what mercy means because when I when I hear the words mercy and grace, sometimes they get really connected with religion. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because when I looked them up to just kind of start the process of what do these words mean, everything 
is connected to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like it's very difficult to find like a, a non-religious definition of mercy and grace. Okay. They tend to go hand in hand. But kind of parsing out everything, and, and not to say that that's bad, that they're connected to religion, but how can we come up with words that maybe everybody can relate to, regardless of their religious affiliation or non-affiliation? Mercy is the ability to see something harmful and to notice somebody doing something negative or, you know, bad and be compassionate in the face of that. Mm. That's mercy, you know. Um, It's being able to see all that and instead of then imposing that on them and saying eye for an eye or whatever – it's finding compassion in that space and understanding that what they're experiencing is helplessness. So the more compassion you give, the more that that could actually change for the better. Right. And then grace is the ability or, I'll, you know, I'm not going to even say ability. Grace is something that just comes even when... It's a you, recognition it's not something you do. It's something you recognize, right? Yeah, that's a good word. It And it's something that may feel unearned or, or mm. something that you didn't go out after. Right. Um, but that you get or receive, maybe you're the one accepting the mercy. And that's grace. Right. Like the person Somebody's who... Somebody's having mercy on, on you, you for doing something that you probably should not have done. And maybe it feels undeserved, mm. but somebody is saying, I see you. And I'm going to offer compassion and see this differently. That is grace. And a lot of times grace is, you know, there's many times in my life where I've experienced grace where I've been like, I'm completely at a crossroads. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden I meet a person or I get some kind of sign or I hear a song or, and I didn't necessarily ask for that, Mm -hmm. but it was grace. Something was handed to me. Something was given to me, maybe not literally in like form, you know, like in physical form, but something came through and it was it was grace. And um, those two words, mercy and grace, I think are at the heart of what we can do when we are seeing and experiencing all this violence in our world is to not become it, but to to practice those words. Right. Um, Well, when you said grace, I think it happens a lot more and some people like, you know, grace comes from God or some universal energy or from people, but maybe from the universe through the person, the person's the vehicle for the grace. And I think it happens to a lot of us. And one of the things that happens, which is what you just said, is that we don't think that we earned it. So we don't even accept this gift. We don't acknowledge it. And then the second one is that, you, that it happens a lot and you don't recognize it right. because there's that story. I don't know what it is, but, you know, the guy's on one side of the bank of the river and there's a bunch of alligators in it and he's got to get across for whatever reason. He's asking for the boat from God. And he's God. asking for the boat from God. And then, you know, some guy flies up in a helicopter and says, hey, you need to get over. He's like, no, I'm waiting for a boat from God. And then somebody comes over, comes over like on some other vehicle to get him over on the other side. Like, no, sorry, I'm waiting for you know, a boat sent by God. I think he just says, I'm waiting for God I'm just to save me. For, God, waiting know, for God, God to, to save me. me. Yeah. So anyways, that's... And then when he finally... And then this is the story. This mm-hmm. is the parable. When he finally meets God, he said, why didn't you show up? 
up and he and God's like I showed up in three different ways. Right. You missed it. Right. And that's why we have to stay awake and aware in our lives and that's what self-awareness is is are you noticing what you are bringing and then being awake is are you noticing what others are offering mm. and that you know that's why again going back to the Tony Robbins thing it was so nice to focus on a documentary for a night that was just a group of people trying to better themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a perfect program. We were talking about how there's, of course, there's cheesy factors sure. in that documentary. Nothing's perfect. We're not we're not idolizing him. The, the actual title of the movie is... I'm Not Your Guru. I'm Not Your Guru. And then he also says towards the end, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm not so naive to think that this is the only way. Correct. This is one way. Yes. And if you like it and if it's, then do it. Kind of like how we talk about our parenting advice, That's for right. lack of a better term. That's right. If you like what we're saying, use it. If you don't, disregard it and trust your gut. That's right. And Tony said the same thing, which was meaningful to me because I'm always cautious on somebody saying, this is the way. Well, and a lot of times- I don't like it when people tell me what to do. A lot of times it's because it's based in their own ego or their own needs. Like, you know, Todd and I have met people in the profession, coaching profession or uh, self-awareness or, excuse me, spiritual profession, um, you know, self-help people who it's so obvious that it's become a, a money-making yeah how much can I make? How famous can I become? And they're in this business where people are vulnerable and, and they people get taken advantage of. And it's really hard to watch when you are trying to do something different or you're trying to be as authentic as possible. Um, and again, we're not perfect either. It's just a... Uh, when you see people who are in their most vulnerable state and someone takes advantage of them instead of actually helping them, that's mm -hmm. very hard to watch. And um, and again, that's why we appreciate Tony because he's been around doing this forever, and you know he's got a pretty good uh, you know background. It's he's he's very trusted and very um, honored in the field. But anyway, going back to what Martha Beck was saying, I think that if we can be more thoughtful. Um, about what our next step is after feeling the anger or the fear, um, we will be better off in the long run. And she is about to mention something that she does that I think is really interesting. Can you keep playing it? You bet. Here we go. I went to a Starbucks in a state of anxiety and watch what happens around me. And then I put myself in a place of calm and I address all the aspects of myself that feel helpless or sad and I give them love. You don't have to fix them. Just give them love. And then go into Starbucks in that state of mind and people soften and they smile and they talk to me and they offer to help. And it's just, it's so fun. Do it as a party trick, if nothing else. And then realize that that magic is real and you're generating it with every moment you're feeling either enraged or upset or kind to the helpless part of yourself. And then you'll learn to just be kinder and kinder and kinder. And that's contagious. And my hope is it ends up creating a much kinder world. So what she said, if you missed it, is go into a Starbucks super anxious, in a hurry, annoyed already, and you there is something palpable about that where people stay away from you. Invisible energy. Completely invisible energy where you are letting off something that other people are like, ooh, and you may get people who run into you, but it just creates something. Then go in when you are in a calm, good, slow 
peaceful place. And observe. And observe how people interact around you. Well, forget about Starbucks. Let's talk about parenting kids. Yes. You know, if you're going to be all jacked up and anger, angry and anxious and frustrated, I'm guessing you're not going to get the best out of your kid in that moment. Correct. And if you go with the idea of calmness and peacefulness, when your kid is going crazy or doing something that infuriates you and you can respond with calm, see how that works and observe the difference. And this is not just, it sounds mystical, Mm -hmm. but this is... This is science. Mm. This is physics. You are energy. So when you walk into a room, you bring energy. You are energy. You don't bring it with you. You are energy. So what does your energy contain? Does your energy contain negativity and heaviness and fearfulness and I've got to get here fast and I'm anxious? Then you will elicit that from the people around you. And you'll point at other people and say, man, they're in a bad mood. And you will think it has nothing to do with you. And then... If you do the opposite, you walk in, you're calm, you're feeling good, happy, people are kind, they offer you things, they hand you things, they look you in the eye, and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Well, and my two really kind of shallow and obvious examples of this invisible energy that you speak of is uh, feng shui or when you walk into a room, you walk into your kid's room and it's like messy and there's stuff all over and all that. It's really hard for me to be in this peaceful state for any period of time when that happens. Or you call, forget about your kid's room, your own bedroom. Right. It's a total your mess. Desk, your, your desk, your office. It's, your heart rate increases without you even deciding for it to increase. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the difference between a cloudy and a sunny day. Something about the sun, man. Yeah. You just start feeling better even though... You know, if you, you know, some people think that they're this vessel in this vacuum and they're not affected by their surroundings. Or that they're not affecting their surroundings. Right. Yeah. And the same goes the other way. Exactly. What, what are you emitting out? And that's what she's saying here. Exactly. And, and that, by definition, there's like 80,000 definitions of self-awareness. I'm always like, and that's what self-awareness is. But self-awareness is understanding you carry something. You are something that is affecting the world on an everyday basis. What you bring to a room affects everybody in that room. And then there's a ripple effect from that. And to to be, to not believe that is a sense of denial. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this in a woo-woo way. This is, this is energy. This is what you are. And so that acceptance creates a sense of responsibility about taking care of what's going on inside of you. It may remind you or, or well, I'll say remind you why watching the news and taking all that negativity in is harmful to the world. Now, I know you're going to think that's a stretch. Yeah. But if you are going to constantly – I was actually at a brunch this morning with my girlfriends, and we were talking about the television shows we watch. Todd and I have been watching Silicon Valley, yeah. which is so funny. Yeah. And – Part of the reason that we've liked Silicon Valley, and it's on HBO for those of you who want to watch it, is, yeah, there's some, you know, crassness in it and, you know, there's a lot of swearing and stuff like that. But there's a story about guys who there's an underlying warmth about them. Mm Mm-hmm. And they are totally Under, underlying being the key word underlying. because they're not overtly warm. No, 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 they're not. It's they're they're young guys. They're you know, there's. But my point is, it's not a violent show. Correct. The, the bottom line of every episode is 
is we're being taken advantage of, that's not okay, or we're helping people and that's what we do. Yeah. And I know some people may be like, that's not what I get out of the show, but I that's, that's what, what I get, get out, out of the, the show. show. Right. What lens are you looking the t looking at the TV through? Exactly, and and you know, and again, I'm not ripping on these other shows, but if you're watching Game of Thrones every night, which I heard is amazing, or if you're watching, uh, you know, this is old, The Sopranos, or you're watching uh, The Wire, or I know they're excellent, and I and I have watched some of those shows, but does it serve you? Is it how do you feel after? And these are deep choices we have to make. I said this example like in year one of our podcast, but I used to listen to Howard all the time just because he's kind of... Can you say who Howard is? People may not know. Oh, Howard Stern. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I used to... And then all of a sudden I realized I would literally get a stomach ache after I... Unless he was interviewing somebody f- cool or funny like Bill Murray. But if he's just doing his regular shtick, I, it gave me stomach aches. Exactly. And it what well, and it probably did the whole time before that, but I wouldn't connect the dots. And that's self-awareness and too. And then I finally got to the point, I'm like, oh, this means I might feel like that. Yes. Um, you talked about ripple effects. Would it be all right if I talked really quickly about my men's group sure, meeting? Sure, go ahead. Um, so long story short, we had a men's group meeting last uh, Thursday. Thursday. And I had a, Frank and I had an idea of what we we're going to talk about. And then because of the circumstances that happened in our country in Baton Rouge, St. Paul and Dallas, we switched the topic kind of in a last minute fashion to white privilege and racism and things like that. And we, the leaders, Frank and I had an idea of maybe, first of all, there are, there are no men of color in my, there's no African-Americans in my men's group. And that is not deliberate. That is called proximity. And I live in a predominantly white suburb. And I would love for some, you know, if some, if there's some a man of color who is listening and wants to join and they live close by, I would love to have them. And mm-hmm. I've even invited a bunch of people I play basketball with, which have different races, mm-hmm. white, black, brown, you name it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of our ideas was to get an African American into this group as a guest to help us understand. What um, we don't understand. What we don't understand. And we thought it was a really good idea. And then we deferred to a good friend of ours who's done a lot of men's work and happens to, who's a white, straight male, but also happens to be entrenched in the African-American community. And he said that that's a horrible idea from his perspective because he even asked some of his African, African-American friends and they said no. And he said, why? And he's like, let those white boys do their own work. Mm-hmm. It's not our responsibility to teach them about this. Like if they are tuned into anything that's going on in society, they already know it. So don't look to us to teach you. You guys do your own work. And when I heard that, it made so much sense to me. And it would have been a disservice for the man that we would invite in. There's a, a, a good possibility that we would not have been as open as free to talk about what we were taught as young boys about race because you wouldn't want to hurt him exactly you know accidentally or unconsciously hurt him so uh, so we had this two-hour meeting of, of this pretty much white straight male group of about 20 men and it was really um, not easy. Mm-hmm. Even you know, we're all, we all you have to admit to a lot of things that you, you admit were taught. to a lot of things, and you know, things that are hard to admit to yourself, much less a group of men who some you know and some you don't know. But the only thing I said, one of the things that I said that hopefully came through in this meeting is like, listen, um, there are people out there marching, and if you want to go march and 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 help the cause, then you know, obviously, if you have the strength and the time and the ability to do it, do it. But the silence has got to end. And most of us, including me, have been silent. 
and we what does silent mean? I mean, it means that we don't even really you stay out of it. I stay out of it, and that's not going to help a thing. It's not going to help, and and these minorities, whether it's women or African American or Muslim, gay or wh- whatever right, it is, right. anything. Actually, Muslim is not a minority in the world, but it right. is in the United States. Yeah. The only way f- to make this society better, in my opinion, is if the position, uh, the people who have a position of power, which is white, straight males. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Is that the way it should be? No. Is that the way it is? Yes. The only way for us to um, quickly and dramatically make significant changes is not to say, not for me to say, oh, that's their problem. They got to fight their own battle. The people in power, which is me, I'm a white, straight male, to do something about it. So what does that mean? And we talked about that. Like, what can we do? Some people will go march. Some people will um, be more conscious when walking down the street in a way that they otherwise wouldn't. Some people will teach their children in a way, in a better way than they were taught when they were children. Um, Some people will have the guts to post something on Facebook that their friends and their family may not like that much if they do truly believe that the Black Lives Matter cause is worthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you talk about ripple effects. That's what we challenged each other to do. And we've already seen some of these really kind of small things mm-hmm. happen. Um, you know, one small thing that happened is the man who led the group on Thursday night knew this African-American boy. Um, pretty young man. Young man. He was 20 years old, mm-hmm. I think. And he was born in really tough circumstances and literally minutes after I talked to my friend about this uh, meeting topic, he found out that this man, this African-American man that he knew was shot and killed on a basketball court. And he was devastated. My friend was devastated. Because he had worked with them. And, and I, we're kind of going back and forth between calling him a boy and a man yeah. because he was 20. He's so 20. it's like he was right there, you know? My friend worked with him. He helped him get out of what is the typical pattern for many African-American males in that community. He was almost done getting his plumbers, um, whatever it is. He was done with his apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was getting out. Yeah. It's one thing, my friends, he's getting out and he was shot and killed. And what we did. And what were were the circumstances there? Why? I mean, there is no, we don't know. I'm not looking for a real reason. I'm just saying, was there, was it? I think it was middle of the day. And I think that there was four men playing basketball and, uh, was there an argument or there something? was an argument and okay. the two boys, uh, the two men left and came back shooting mm. and this one man was killed and the other man uh, was in the hospital. Okay. And we, to do our tribe meetings, we charge $20 a person and the facilitators, uh, are compensated for their time to planning the meeting. Well, instead of taking that, we, you know, passed the hat around and we gave all the money to our friend and he gave the money to the mother of this boy who was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that has a ripple effect or not, but it was between that and he, there was another group, another men's group that also participated in this. And I think he ended up giving over $1,000 to this mom to help her pay for funeral expenses for her son. Mm. So just the one thing we said at the meeting was, whatever it is, don't do what I think, what I'm going to do or what you think I, what you think I think you should, should do. do, do what works for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we always talk about. Don't just do what works for you. And maybe it's, maybe you can do something to help the community or maybe you can do a Facebook post or maybe you could have a challenging conversation or maybe you can, next time you hear a racist joke, you speak up. Mm-hmm. 
And you say that's not going to be that's, that's not, not going to work. Fly in my house, yeah. So that's it. I'm off my soapbox. I said two minutes is probably ten. So well, I love that because, and I know that's really hard for people, but that's one of my favorite uh, Maya Angelou uh, teachings. Is Oprah was talking about Maya Angelou one time, and she was saying that, you know, as you guys know, I talk about her a lot, and her quote about that words are things, and that when words are spoken, that they're energy, and that they get in the walls, and they get in the drapes, and they mm. get into the yeah. you know energy of the room. And Oprah said she was at a party one time with my Angelo and somebody told somewhat of a inappropriate racist joke and they all are inappropriate. And, um, and Maya actually approached that person and said, not in my house, you're going to have to leave. Yeah. And yeah. Do you get the guts to do that? I mean, come on, you know, and, and again, I'm not saying you have to do that, but allow that to be the energy that we feed on yeah. that we say, there are times when we have to say, no, that's, that's not okay mm-hmm. in whatever form that is. And understand that can be done. Let's bring in the, the first part of the show with compassion, mm-hmm. with mercy, yeah. with a sense of I'm offering you a gift mm-hmm. of, you know, of grace. You know, this is I'm, I'm not giving this to you so I can feel superior because I'm, I have an ego about it. But this is just something that our world, you know, I know we need and that I can't sit. I can't be in the presence of this. Yeah. Um, and that takes practice, Todd, yeah. because many of us are very used to sitting by and watching things. So much easier. It's safer. But in the end, but if, is it? if everybody does that, it makes the world more dangerous. Exactly. The like, only safe move is to put yourself at risk and say something that is my, is unpopular. Well, let me, again, those words are going to hurt, or that those words could challenge people. All right. Put yourself at risk. Basically, what you're saying is you don't have to put yourself in harm's way. Right. You have to challenge your fear about speaking out because put yourself at risk can you understand how some well if i'm around if if i'm at a bar if i'm at a in a bar with a bunch of guys it's risky for me to speak up yeah because they're going to perceive me differently Mm -hmm. oh here comes todd and you know all high and mighty or you know more moral than the rest of us i mean that's that's a risk that is a challenge you're right safer to just shut up right and laugh right and if you don't if you don't have the guts to speak up then don't laugh. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. do something. Don't participate. Don't participate. Yeah. Yeah, there's many stages to this. You know, it's not one thing. It's not like you have to do A, B, or C. It's how do you stay – this is all what self-awareness is. How do you stay true to what you know to be important? How do you not subscribe to things you know are harmful? How do you not participate in things that are going to have a negative ripple effect? Yeah. And those are choices we make moment by moment every day. It's not a declaration. No. You can say, oh, today this is what one I One day you in. might be strong and one day you may not – have the resources to to speak up exactly and um, we have to have mercy on ourselves too yeah compassion um, for that. second partner is john j kelly dentistry one of our daughters likes to grind their teeth oh my gosh Does and she ever? um she is going to start working with dr kelly and helping and dr kelly is going to help her um with her breathing Sounds weird for a dentist to help you with the breathing. Well, but. what we've come to understand is that teeth uh, grinding has a lot to do with the passageway, with the your airway. Being able to breathe is that the reason children grind their teeth is because they're having a hard time getting a deep breath at night. Yeah. So that's Dr. Kelly. His website is chicagodentistonline.com. Uh, look him up or you can email us and we'll tell you all about him. So thank you, Dr. Kelly. So 
question? Uh, yeah, I wanted to. Uh, it's funny. Right before we came downstairs, I got this question. And the reason I'm answering it so quickly before a lot of the other questions we've gotten, you know, this kind of jumped. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people in line <laughs> waiting patiently. And it Sorry. jumped ahead. Sorry, everybody. But the reason that we I wanted to do that is because I think it's very relevant to what we're talking about today. And I'm going to paraphrase what she asked. She's been listening to the show for a while. Uh, she's in her 20s. And she said, um, one of my main takeaways is that you should feel your feels. I really embraced a quote you said once that said, sadness needs to be held, not healed. Mm. And I've been working on that with all emotions. That was a, a Jeff Foster quote, by yes, the way. Yes, it was. Um, but she said, the flip side of the quote is your message on change your thinking, change your life. I appreciate both of these, but I'm finding them incompatible at times. And I'd love to hear you address the relationship between these two. Now, this is kind of weird because usually I read the questions and then you answer, and I'm sure you're going to answer for yourself. Yes, I but am. I, what I first think about is this is the ultimate paradox. Correct. Everything we say, we say, do one thing, and then we'll say, do something else. And it seems like it's opposite. Like my example is Tony Robbins is all about take massive action and make your make the life you want. And then Jeff Foster, my one of my other teachers, is all about embrace exactly where you are. Who's right? They both are. They both are. But go ahead. Because to take action, you have to embrace who you are. Mm. You have to accept who you are mm -hmm. to take action. We know this from theory. You know, Carl Jung said, you know, things change. You can actually make change. Is it Carl Jung who said this? I don't want to... I'm not quite sure, so I don't want to say that without knowing for sure, but that once you accept who you are, that's when change can happen. So yeah. they both, they sound paradoxical, but they're together. So... When I got this uh, this email, I obviously I knew Todd. You would say that it is. They're both true, and it's paradoxical. And so it's some. We've got to make space in ourselves for things to not be perfectly certain. Right? Can we recap which are the two things that contradict one another? So she's saying that sadness needs to be held and not healed. Yep. So it's basically about feeling your feels, and at the same time, change your thinking, change your life. I think that's Wayne. It is. Yeah. That's Wayne. Okay. Um, so they, it, regardless of where they came from, really it's feel what you're feeling, but at the same time, quit thinking that yeah, way and right. change your life. Right. Okay. And so we see the funny in it For too, sure. but here's the thing. So what I was able to remember right away was a page from Mark Nepo's book of awakening that I had taken a picture of months ago. Mm. And I take, <laughs> I read his book every morning, uh, after meditation. And I think I'm on year four and it never gets old. Same book. Absolutely. It's 365 days. So you read it maybe every day. Uh -huh. And then after that 365 I days, start over. you go back to page and day one. And it's always different. Yeah. Meaning when you've grown or when you've had experiences, you read everything differently. Yeah. Try reading poetry one year and pick it up five years later and you're like, now I see it. Right. You know, like putting it in a pop culture way, you know, watch Field of Dreams when you're a kid and then watch Field of Dreams when you have a kid. Yeah. It's a completely different experience. Right. And that's what, you know, literature and poetry is and just anything. But this is what Mark Nepo has to say about this very thing. Very often, when hurt or depressed or anxious, we encounter powerful feelings like ghosts without a body, trying to pour themselves into us, trying to dominate our lives. They seem to gather in the cave of our pain, stoking our wounds like stones in a fire that keeps them warm. Okay, can, you can tell Mark Nepo is a poet, right? But, what he, but continuing on, he says, after years of struggling to let my painful feelings out, I'm learning that the other side of this, which is just as essential to my well-being is not to let the hurt or depression or anxiety set up camp mm -hmm. inside of me. Mm -hmm. 
I must confess it has taken me all this way to fully understand that the purpose of surfacing these powerful feelings is to continually empty my heart and mind of its sediment so that new life can make its way into me. There are dangers to not letting such feelings out, but once felt, there are dangers as well to not letting such feelings move on through. For just as our lungs must stay clear for the next mouthful of air, our heart must stay unobstructed for the next feeling we encounter. Mm. So I can't say it any better than yeah. that, but I'll try. <laughs> but here There's I go. There's no possible way. But here, listen to me now. Listen to what I have to say about Mark Nebo. What's the name of that book? Um, the Book of Awakening. Which day is that? Or what is I that don't called? know. I think it was a few months ago. Okay. You um, can't see it at the top? I can't. Look, I cut it off when oh, okay. I took the picture. So basically, in a nutshell, when you have pain, you have to feel it so it can clear its way through. Remember that emotion, emotion, energy in motion, it has to move. It yeah. has to clear. You have to look at it. You have to acknowledge it. But once it's cleared its way through, you have to let it go. Mm-hmm. You have to then focus on what is working. You have to focus on goodness. You have to experience your joy. You have to lean into goodness. You ha- It's both at the same time. Sometimes it's both in 30 seconds of time. Yeah. Um, I have another listener's question that I think is completely in alignment with what oh, we're good. talking about. Oh, good. Go ahead. I realized that I was raised by two parents who were and still and are still to some effect unconscious. They never held the kind of space of unconditional love that you talk about in this episode. She referenced a different episode earlier on. Neither of them really know the extent to which this hurt me. In the last five years and during a recovery from an eating disorder, I've spent time in therapy working on living my life with self-awareness and intention. I'm hoping to break the cycle with my two girls, three and 10 months, but I'm having a hard time moving through the pain I realize is left over from my childhood which left me feeling powerless, unheard, unseen, etc. What can I do to move through this? How do I acknowledge the pain, but not let it take over my well-being? Do you have any tips? How can I parent from my wholeness and not my wounded self? Well, let me give you my first, and okay. then you go. I think that you want to parent from your wounded self. I think these are lessons that should not be forgotten. And I think it's easy to say, well, I don't want to that affect me anymore. And I think the minute that you don't want something to affect you, it's going to affect you. So what I would invite this woman to do is to invite and embrace her wounded self in and use that, use those lessons, use the pain to help you have the strength to parent in a way, in a more evolved way than your parents were able to parent you. Absolutely. I think that's beautiful. I think it's about integration is you can't push those things away. Yeah, this I, is your life. Yeah. These things happen to you. These experiences occurred. And when Todd says parent from your wounded self, he doesn't mean re-wound. Right. What he means is keep that awareness. It, it doesn't mean you have to be in that space. You don't have to be a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like bring up that pain constantly. But that is part of who you are. The more you can accept that this happened the more that you can say it will never happen again. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to not perpetuate that cycle. Yeah, and I might be projecting, but I feel like she's trying to forget the no. wounds. Yeah, and you can't do that. And you can't. Mm-hmm. They're there and, and love them because they put you where you are right now. That's right. And they put you in a position to be a wonderful parent to your three-month-old and your, ten, your three-year-old and your 10-month-old. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's kind of my two cents. Well, and 
those that awareness, that broken openness that you've had, that traumatic experience brought to light what's most important. You had a recognition of love. You had a recognition of this is not the way it should be. You had a recognition of there is another way. And that's what you're doing. Without that traumatic experience, or I'm using the word trauma. I don't know if you would use that, you know, the person who wrote that, maybe it just the pain. Yeah. Everything that I do in my life, everything I write about, everything, this show, it's all based on pain I've experienced. Yeah. And that I would like to acknowledge and recognize and give credit to why love and joy are so important to me. Not in a sense of forgetting and pretending they didn't happen, but they broke me open. And I've had a lot of painful experiences, as have everybody that's listening. And that's what got me here. Yeah. And so to say those, and I don't think she's saying no, this, but yeah. let me elaborate here, to say those things shouldn't have happened or that trauma shouldn't have happened or I can't be a good parent because that trauma happened, that's not true. Yeah, You can actually allow those things, as Todd said, to be a part of your parenting mm. where you recognize if you're yelling or if you're getting impatient saying, you know what, I already know that's not the way. Yeah. I already trust that that doesn't work. Because you experienced it and you know it doesn't work because it was done to you and it gave you bags. It gave you fear. And what you want to do is not pass those bags on to your kids. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about putting your head in the sand, everybody. It's not about pretending that things haven't happened. It's about integrating. It's about becoming whole. It's about seeing and experiencing all the pieces of your life and then bringing it all together. Mm -hmm. And it's acknowledging, I just know... My belief system, just at the very the baseline belief system, we are all inherently good. We come from good. We are good. The things that happen to us that are traumatic tend to test that or challenge that. But what comes through that? What's the? It's like the sun. You know, even when the clouds are there, the sun is there. We are good, and so it's always acknowledging that and allowing those other pieces to, pieces to remind us of the good. Um, upcoming events. Yes. September 26th, what are we doing? So September 26th Throwing is... a big birthday party for Skylar yes. at the York Theater. I told her that we would put on the screen, happy birthday, Skylar. This was my like way of being... Not feeling guilty empathetic. about being a bomb? Yes, because we are having our documentary screening of Screenagers at York Theater here in Elmhurst. Um, it's about dealing with the digital age and as... I actually posted something about Pokemon Go the other day. Any of you guys who are dealing with that We'll game, talk about that next week, hopefully. Maybe. Um, and uh, when I say dealing with that game, I mean understanding that game, recognizing that that game is very popular right now, um, or anything else that your kids are doing on technology and screens. Um, that's what this movie is about, is how we can better understand and support our kids. So if you would like to attend that screening, go to zenparentingradio.com. Um, and you will see on events, uh, screenagers. Um, Friday, October 28th through Sunday, October 30th, I am staffing the New Warrior Training Adventure. And it's the most powerful 48 hours of your life, sweetie. But so, not for me, for men. Only men. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. If you're interested to hear more, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Um, January 20th through the 22nd, Frank and I are going to do our Tribes Men Retreat. Okay. So that's another opportunity for the men. I'm giving the men the resources, sweetie. Okay, oh, and don't forget about my coaching practice for men. Yes. Todd Adams, coaching for men. 
Dun, dun, dun. I need a jingle. I know you do. I'm going to sing it. And then last, but certainly not least, and probably most importantly, is the Zen Gets Real second annual conference. Correct. And we are making our big announcement about the conference on uh, Tuesday, August 23rd. Is that correct, Todd? August 23rd? Um, yeah. The website will be up, registration will begin, and we will make our announcement about our speakers. It's going to be a big day. Um, I also wanted to um, mention something else. Sure. Are, are we... Uh, uh, we are closing shop, but I don't want to um, hurt you or the lady who wrote in last week. Because she was, Remember she got mad if we... Yes. Don't tell us that there's not enough time. I got this me. really important thing to say that's funny, but we ran out of time. I mean, well, and we're not going to run out of time. I want to read something else that happens to be um, from Mark Nepo. It just so happens. this I've had this for a week. Um, and this last thing I read, I just pulled up right before the show. But I wanted to read this because this was written by Mark Nepo um, about two months ago. But I think it's just as relevant today. And I think it kind of sums up everything we talked about on the show. And he, he references Charles Dickens because Charles Dickens began his novel, as you guys remember, A Tale of Two Cities, with this sentence. It was the best of times and the worst of times. I'm already confused. Well, I want everybody to know, you know, when was this book written, A Tale of Two Cities? So long ago. It's always the best of times and it's always the worst of times. These things are happening simultaneously always in every generation in every day of our lives, there is good and there is bad. And we have to, again, wholeness is acknowledging both of them and also deciding where we're going to focus our attention. You know, it's the two wolves. Who are we going to feed? So he continues by saying, what is profound about this is that every era, every generation, every day is the best of times and the worst of times. And it is up to us to choose as those before us between love and fear. If we look at humanity as one global body, then like in every human body, there are healthy cells and toxic cells. Mm. And health in the world abounds when there are more healthy individuals than toxic ones. And every time we meet in kindness and truth, we strengthen the immune system of the global body. Everything is connected and therefore everything matters. And every time you strengthen a heart, you lessen fear and violence somewhere in the world. And this is the challenge of our time, to strengthen our hearts and to lessen our fear and violence. We are all in this together, no matter where we live. Be a healthy cell in the human race. That's right. Or the human body race. Be a healthy cell and not a toxic cell. Yeah, because there's plenty of toxic cells out there. Who are you going to be? Don't be a neutral cell either. Be a, be a positive one. Yeah, be a healthy one. Be a healthy one. Right. Don't be one of those sucker neutral ones <laughs> we know anybody listening are not the toxic ones right but there may be some neutral cells out there listening we're kind of like yeah. yeah step up be a healthy cell why yeah. not yeah 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 have two have three yeah why not grow the cells remember that from saturday night live the two women who are always drinking wine yeah have, have one have two treat yourself yes yeah, what it's, it's uh yeah what are who are they who? bring them up uh i need i need more information um it's amy poehler and maya rudolph um, and they, I know their names are Betty and I can't remember what the, it's been so long because neither of them are on the show anymore, obviously. Um, Bronx, Bronx Beat, right? Bronx Beat. Good job, sweetie. Thank you. Betty and Jody. Betty and Jody. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to Bronx Beat. I'm Betty. I'm Jody. You know that. Yes. Hello. Hello. Okay. Welcome to our 
Christmas episode. Cheers to Christmas. Cheers to Christmas. Here you go. Cheers, friend. Wait a minute. Did you put alcohol in this eggnog? Of course. What do you think? Uh, I'm not having any. You know what? Because I got to drive. We all got to drive. What? Everyone's driving. You all got to drive. Okay. <laughs> so, it's Christmas. But not that you would know it, because every time you turn on your TV, what do you see? Bad news. Bad news. Gloom and doom. I'm sick of it. So stupid. It's Christmas. Give me a break. You know what I want for Christmas? Huh. No more bad news. Thank you. Yeah, it's Christmas. You think you got Santa coming down the chimney? It's ISIS. Ay-ay-ISIS, <laughs> okay? ISIS, enough. Take a day off. Enough. Go take a nap. Go for a walk. Yeah. Do something nice. Yeah. Go see a movie. Yeah, go see, go see Star Wars. Oh, my God. Enough. No, enough with enough Star Wars. Enough with Star Wars. I don't want any more Star Wars, okay? May the Force give me a break already. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good stuff. Oh, all Love right. them both. Yeah, they're good. Um, all right, you crazy Zen parenting listeners, just thanks. Thanks for listening. Go out there, be the goodness, see the goodness, laugh, appreciate life. Cry. Cry. Feel. And then start all over again. Even if you're feeling numb, which I sometimes do, that's still a feeling, sweetie. Numbness? Yeah. Well, the acknowledgement of feeling numbness is pretty self-aware. There you go. I love it. I'm numb a lot. <laughs> Think how self-aware I am. You are not. We're going to talk about on the, the next show how Todd says he's numb, but really he feels everything. Right. Can't wait. <laughs> See ya. Have a good week. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZU. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.